Hey, this is Norman, and welcome to Run With Horses. This uh, 12 kilogram pack is feeling a little heavy today, so we'll see if I can keep my breath and, and keep walking too. But today is the third day in my series on the pillars of the Christian life. And I'm really thinking about three things. Our time in God's Word, Bible study devotions, our time in prayer. And today I'm thinking specifically about our relationship with God's family, the church. I've really come to believe that one of the one aspect of the Christian life that many of us don't fully understand or appreciate is this special relationship that we have with the church. It's built on the foundation of the truth of God's Word. We have the same um, truth, the same God, the same faith, the same Holy Spirit that unites us together. Uh, last week we looked at prayer. We have the same God that we're talking to. And this unity that we have in the Spirit is not a unity of idea. It's a unity that the Holy Spirit provides. That's a special relationship in the Spirit based on the sacrifice of Christ on the cross and the fact that that has been applied to our life. It's not that we agree on every detail of life. But this unity does join us together in a very special way. And it should allow us to overcome the disagreements, the misunderstandings, um, all the problems that are going to be there because we are different. We have different backgrounds. And we're all struggling with the sin nature. So this special relationship should help us to deal with all those things. And it is the process of dealing with the sin nature in the context of this special family called the church that helps us to grow to be the people that God wants us to be. I think it's patently clear that God did not intend for us to live this life alone. He intended for us to be in a relationship with Him first, but also in a relationship with His family, the church. There's no way around that. The church is so important throughout the New Testament that you cannot get away from this is God's plan and purpose for us to be involved in this special group of people. So what does it look like to be part of this special group of people? Well, <laughs> it's not always pretty. We already mentioned that we're all sinners. We have the sin nature. Uh, we're all selfish and we bring a lot of baggage into this relationship. At the same time, God definitely uses this relationship to encourage and help us to grow. It's a special relationship, and we all need it. Uh, someone wrote a book, and I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but it's called Relationships, A Mess Worth Making. And that pretty much sums up most churches. 
quite often our relationships are messy and we don't get along as we should we bring a lot of um, baggage expectations and our own difficulties into the relationship and kind of push that on other people it definitely makes the whole relationship more difficult but when the church is working as it should when you face the times when you're really struggling you really feel you recognize and you experience that you're not in this alone god has promised never to leave you and he gives you the holy spirit constantly um, to go through each trial with you but when the church is fully functioning and when the church is genuinely sensitive to the holy spirit's leading and using all of their gifts and you benefit from that uh, it's an experience that you'll never forget you really understand i'm not in this alone so what's your part what's my part how do we help our church to be that kind of body that kind of family where we are actually looking out for one another's interests and considering others interests better than our own well, when we consider what that looks like, one of the foundational ways that God has equipped us to live out this relationship is through giving us spiritual gifts. There's several different places in the Bible where there are a list of these, and if you've never taken one, I would encourage you to find and take a spiritual gifts inventory. Understand that a spiritual gifts inventory cannot tell you what your spiritual gifts are. They certainly can't distinguish between natural gifts and spiritual gifts. But they can give you an indication of different ways God might have equipped you and different things that you do have that God can use. And whether they're natural gifts or spiritual gifts, really God has prepared us and given us these to build up His church. Uh, the spiritual gifts are uh, given at salvation or given specifically to, to build up the church and have a, a greater promise of fruit than natural gifts do, but they're still both to be used for the same purpose. So whether you take a spiritual gifts inventory or not, you should at least consider how God made you, what gifts and abilities, interests that you have, and how God can use those to build up your church family. Uh, the church really can't function well unless each member is doing its part. That's just part of the way that we're connected in the special body. We need each other's gifts. I need my church members to support me, to pray for me, to encourage me, to use their gifts uh, in a way that builds me up. I need to use mine for my church family. One of the interesting things about using our gifts is that it is often through using our gifts that we see opportunities and the need to grow. God doesn't just use our gifts to help our church to grow but the process of us being actively engaged in the spiritual lives of other people challenges us to grow as I learn to love my church family and care about them and really desire to see them become more like Christ one of the interesting truths is that as I read the Bible I read it differently the first step in, in reading is to read it for my understanding, for my growth, 
But as I grow and I begin to think more about my church and desire to see them change, then as I read my Bible, I begin to see things that may encourage or help someone else. And I should notice it and have the willingness to speak to them and say, hey, I read this and I thought of you. I thought this would be encouraging. I know what you're going through. And as I read this, I, you know, I prayed for you. And this really encouraged me, and I think it relates to your situation. Uh, We need those kind of conversations. We need to be willing to invest in each other's lives. Often the encouragement that we can give is just a simple word to say, I I was thinking of you this week and I prayed for you. That can be so encouraging to know that whatever you're facing, your church family One, they know. Two, they care. And three, they're praying for you. Uh, That's huge. Now, the next step, and we hope that all of us are at least willing to go this far. We don't always have an opportunity, but to be engaged in the struggle with our brothers and sisters. Uh, To see that the places where our gifts directly can be used, not just with words, but with actions. To jump into the battle with our brother and sister, whether that's waiting with them in the hospital as they're um, waiting for bad news or good news or no news to be present, uh, or when there are physical difficulties, things that need to be rebuilt or repaired or things that need to be done and there's not time to do it, to be able to sacrifice our own desires and wants and comfort to contribute to their life physically, practically, in a real meaningful way. When the church functions like this, it's just a different group. It's a different body of believers. It's so exciting and encouraging to be around a group like that. The aspect of using our spiritual gifts and praying and encouraging for each other is really important. But week to week, day to day, what does the relationship in the church look like? Well, I think, honestly, today, we're too busy. We don't spend enough time together. We don't have enough relational time. We don't have the time when we're just sitting around over a meal, after a meal, hanging out, talking, sharing what's coming up, what we've just finished, what we're thinking, what we're learning. We don't have times when our kids can sit around and hear those conversations that adults are having. Um, We're so busy, I think. The church relationship is somewhat anemic because we we lack this aspect of it. Uh, we go to meet together on a Sunday. People get there, many barely in time or a little late, which means they've already missed the first opportunity to encourage, to fellowship, uh, to use their gifts. And then in the service, we're we're not facing in toward each other, we're all facing the front. And, and in the front, there is a handful of people who are using their gifts. Uh, and the rest are kind of there. Um, how deeply they participate really depends on them. Some people can. They can come in and they attune their hearts toward God and they're worshiping right along, paying close attention joining in where they can, and they go away rejoicing. 
others really struggle because there's no relationship there. Uh, the church family aspect is not present. Uh, can you imagine how strange it would be if we had a family gathering, just a normal family gathering, and everybody went to Grandpa's house? And at Grandpa's house, everyone sits in rows of chairs, faces the front, and Grandpa and two or three uncles and maybe an aunt uh, talk to the family uh, and occasionally ask one other person to give a comment. But they don't really, the, the family doesn't engage. <laughs> that would be a very strange family gathering. And yet we do this week after week and think our church is healthy. Uh, we're missing something, or at least I think we are. We do need to, to unite our hearts in worship, but one of the strange things to me is to go to a church where as people come in, they're joyfully talking and fellowship and really getting along well, and then the church starts and there's like flipping a switch, and some people just switch off. I mean, they're just hanging on until the end so they can participate again. But this time in the middle, how many people are actually turning their hearts toward God? Which, that's our goal, that's our desire, but we're not doing it in a relational way. We're not really doing it very well as a family. Uh, it's, uh, it can be difficult. I'm not saying it's always wrong or always bad or that every church does it poorly, but I know that I have often struggled in a group where there is this, it seems like there's a dichotomy. There's before and after the official gathering, and then there's official gathering, which seems completely unrelated to the church family. And that seems strange to me. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> Let me know what you think, but I think that's strange. Um, the church is such an important body. Um, we have to work at it. How do we get everyone engaged? How do we encourage each person? And people are different. Everybody doesn't engage the same way. Uh, everyone doesn't have the same potential and ability. And sometimes we don't recognize that. We just see that some people are struggling and don't know why. You know, they're just need to suck it up and sit down and shut up at church, right? <laughs> that seems like a bad idea. And I suppose this is mainly a problem when a, a local church has only the one large gathering uh, because everyone can't use their gifts there. Uh, there are a lot of them that just are not applicable to a public corporate worship service. I think most of the spiritual gifts are not really corporate worship gifts. Everyone doesn't have the gift of, of preaching or everyone's not able to uh, lead songs. Where do they use their gifts? Are they encouraged to use their gifts? Are they given opportunities? Uh, are they taught uh, what their gifts are and how they might be able to uh, incorporate those into this body, this special group of people, this new family? I think that's so important. We have to be intentional about building this relationship. I don't think it happens accidentally. Uh, the corporate group is pretty easy. There's a few people that lead it, and as long as they're talented, as long as they have some ideas about how to structure the service, 
it goes pretty well and people can shuffle in, shuffle out, and they're kind of on their own before and after. But the ability to use your gifts one-on-one in small groups is different, and we often don't spend a lot of time emphasizing this aspect of the Christian life, that we really need each other. We need these close-knit relationships. We need the time in close proximity, and time's a big part of it. It's kind of like raising kids. I, you know, you've heard people talk about quality time versus quantity, and I know a lot of people say, well, there's no quality. There's only quantity with kids. Uh, I saw, a, it might be in the book, um, Shepherding a Child's Heart, I can't remember if that's where I read it, but someone talked about a famous preacher evangelist type person, and he had taken a day and gone fishing with his son. And he had wrote in his journal, and people knew, hey, he had his journal. And when his son was an adult, he spoke about how impactful this one day was. And it just stuck out in his memory for years. So somebody thought, we should go back and look at his dad's journal and see what he wrote on that day. And you know what he wrote? He said, today I went fishing with my son, a day wasted. Like, well, how sad. (laughs) I think that's the way a lot of people look at those smaller conversations. It's not the big church of 200 people, 100 people, 50 people. It's two or three people having breakfast. Well, that's not worth it. Absolutely that's worth it. I think that's where the life of the church is. Uh, That's where the most value uh, is in our relationship. It's the relaxed time where we have time to process, to ask questions, to relate at a deeper level or at a heart level. If we don't have that, our relationships are all kind of anemic. They're not, uh, they're not very deep. I know a lot of people say that they've done different polls and questionnaires and things. And for men, particularly in the United States and European countries, a lot of men would say they don't have more than one friend. A lot of them say they wouldn't even have one true friend. That's, that's really sad. Uh, and that is a byproduct, I think, of these anemic church relationships where we, we're busy and we put everything else in front of God. And that's the, the first problem. But then also in front of our church family. We give our best energy not to God, not to a church family, not even to our immediate family, but to work, uh, to other people. Uh, and not to take the, the truth in their life to be a spiritual light, but just to pay the bills. No wonder that so many of us struggle in so many areas in our life when this is the truth of our spiritual family life. So how do we get past that? How do we grow and change? Well, I think we start with confessing to God our uh, failures and and putting ourselves and other things in front of Him, in front of His family. But then to look for the opportunities to engage, uh, to invite people from our church to get together, to be open to a relationship. Uh, It's just difficult to even be open because relationships take time. They're messy. Um, It just can be really challenging. And to be honest, we just don't want that. So to be open to that, to recognize the value in it is where this starts. That's where change first takes place. To look at 
the church as God talks about it in the New Testament, to love the church as God loves the church, as you see expressed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and then to intentionally do the things that allow us to build relationships with this special group of people, to love them warts and all, to accept them as they are, and then to use our gifts to help them grow to be what God intends for them to be. Uh, It's not easy. (laughs) It's not always fun even. But within the difficulties, there are times of great joy. Tremendous value can be found there. So if you want to start making changes this week, I encourage you to look at your church family. Think about the people in it. Think about someone in particular that you think is you have a relationship with and it could be better. There's potential. And let them know that you're thinking about them. Start by letting them know you're praying for them. Encourage them. Share something that you've learned as you've read God's Word this week. Uh, just share, hey, I've, I've read this. This was encouraging to me. And I thought I would share it. Maybe it will encourage you too. Uh, if you have time, invite someone to lunch, coffee, breakfast. Uh, invite another family to your house for supper. Uh, these are all little things that you can do to begin this process. Just look at it as building a relationship. Uh, how do I make this relationship as strong as it can be? How do I give of my time, energy, my gifts to help my church family to grow?